Greetings, fellow freaky folks, and welcome to Let's Get Freaky. My name is Jason, and I am your host. I am the freak in charge of this here podcast. It's my podcast. It's my show. It's my life. It's my hopes. It's my dreams. It's my intention to broadcast out my point of view, my perspectives as a self-diagnosed, neurodivergent, hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos dystonia, which I believe is dopa-responsive dystonia, not formally diagnosed, genetic issues galore, etc., etc., to broadcast things out through my perspective of living a life with such conditions and what it was like growing up not knowing that I had these things, um, but knowing something was wrong from a very early age and kind of how that's shaped me and how as an adult going through a midlife crisis, if you will, an existential crisis brought on by a near-death experience, over the last four years I've really, really kind of nailed down these aspects of myself and really come to understand myself a lot better. And so <clears throat> I guess today's episode, which is episode two, thank you to anybody who came back. Thank you to anybody who actually continued to listen through that shitty introduction. Um, this is a Manic Monday episode, so I'm trying to keep it focused on mental health and health issues. Um, clearly, that was more health issues, but those have impacted my mental health. And what I truly believe is there is no difference between the state of your mental health and the state of your physical health. They're intimately tied together. That's not anything that's really up for dispute in medicine. Yet, if you go see a doctor, it's everything is pieced and parted out. And so there's this separation that just kind of exists. But also, there's this sort of natural sort of disconnect within society and the way that we're just kind of raised and expect things to be that you are the brain and not so much the body or you're supposed to be the brain so that you can control the body so that you can do what's expected of you and <clears throat> I could never figure out why that was my my big question why why am i like this why 
why can't I do what I know I need to do? Why can't I get myself to do what I know I need to do? That question haunted me from my teenage years on as it seemed like I kept trying and failing to figure out my place in this world and kind of never really felt like I found it but life keeps going on decisions keep being made and part of that for me was getting married and starting a family and then getting divorced and then starting another family and getting remarried and raising children and being a husband and trying to provide when I'm battling all my own issues, all my own inner demons and trying to be more for others so that they don't have to endure so much or endure it alone, I guess. I don't know. <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is it's it's really fucking hard to have chronic illnesses to have chronic mental health issues to have chronic physical issues to have childhood trauma and all that that entails and I did my best from a very young age to hide as much of that as I could from people and did a really good job of it probably about 95% of the time and then 5% of the time I just kind of lost my shit and when I was younger it tended to be more kind of crying uncontrollably or acting out or just doing whatever I had been obsessing and ruminating about and trying keeping myself from doing finally just letting go and doing it whatever it was and then I would suffer the consequences and be like, what, what, what happened there? It was almost like blacking out. It was <clears throat> so strange. And then that pattern just sort of repeated itself as much as I tried to tell myself I was in control and I, I got this. It never became the case pausing for a second um any podcast listeners that want to see what i look like check me out on the youtubes this is also being video broadcast um and it just reminded me that i need to switch up my backgrounds a bit make this a bit more entertaining for y'all and not just have you staring at my ugly mug exclusively so there is some art in the background Everything you see behind you, something I have created or co-created, as I like to say, with the universe. Anyways, back to the health issues after this belch. Excuse you. Belch is brought to you by Coca-Cola. Not an official sponsor. Probably should be. Um, probably should be giving me some... Uh, stock options for as much as I've purchased and then I could sell that stock to pay for all the health issues that ensue afterwards but we all have our vices we all have our ways that we get the pleasure 
which is the dopamine, which is so much of my, and has been, and is so interrelated to that sort of pattern which I was speaking about. And now, at the age of 45, I can look back and understand these things from a different perspective. I've got so much more data. I've got so many more reps at it. The issue now is integration. Reintegrating this new information about myself, my genetics, and how that was always playing in the background underneath and was really kind of the true story of a lot of what was going on there, but also not completely absolving myself or others uh, of choices that were made that had an impact and to not belittle that impact, especially in terms of things like health, choices I've made, drinking pop, soda, coke, if you're from the South, appreciate you. Whatever, whatever bad things I put into my body. That was me doing it. But the point is in doing all this self-exploration and looking into these health issues, like there's been breakthroughs for me in terms uh, of spiritual growth as well, in terms of being able to reconnect with life itself and not being quite so withdrawn and it's trying to reintegrate myself kind of back into society back into the world at large and this podcast is part of it <clears throat> right now it's it's just me rambling on talking about myself my story and hoping that that somehow connects with some people out there that they can relate to what I'm saying. Because especially for people in my age bracket and up, we didn't grow up with so much of this being available, at least not so easily available for sure. But people talking about mental health issues or chronic health issues, right? It, it, the landscape has definitely changed over the course of my life uh, for better in some ways and, and for worse in others. So I, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. That's kind of another reason why I want to do this is because I know what it's like to lose hope and to feel so down, to be so depressed, or to be so worn out and exhausted from the continual having to do it day after day after day. But also having been fortunate enough to endure, been fortunate enough to 
have some help, somebody believe in me and love me when I didn't love myself enough. I'm not saying that I can be that for you. It's not going to be that kind of personal relationship ever. Um, but hopefully what I hope is that this isn't just about me, that this kind of becomes its own little community and, and we collectively kind of pick each other up when we're down because it shouldn't be any one person's burden. And as someone who made a living as a caretaker for most of my adult life in some capacity or other, like the caretakers never quite get enough care themselves. And so when you're stuck just taking care of yourself, it you need that. But also when you're taking care of others or managing everything else, you also need to be that caretaker for yourself. So it's that, it's all that weird balancing act and, and just trying stuff out. And so I'll, I'll talk about some of the stuff I've tried out, um, specifically psychedelics, um, talk about that because I think that's probably one of the most promising things to reoccur and I say that specifically uh, in mental health in quite a while and so I will tell my story and, and talk about that um, as we go along if it if it's not apparent and blatantly obvious to you I don't have a lot of format here in the beginning I'm just trying to throw stuff out there so more it's I'm catching it and collecting it and then I can know more so this is kind of the podcast that makes the podcast become the podcast that will be the podcast sort of a, a process so I hope that um, there are a few people who are, are down to follow that journey with me and I hope that, that I can serve in that way and provide some sort of value and just really my whole, my whole goal with all of this is to not be me. And, and I mean that in a very spiritual sort of way, but also in a very pragmatic kind of way, right? I'm trying to induce neuroplasticity into myself. I'm trying to shake up the snow globe, as it were, through different means to keep growing, to keep changing, to not waste away and get stuck in. It's very difficult Things seem to be changing faster and faster and going in these unpredictable ways more and more. But the truth is, if I look back on it, and it's always kind of been that way. I was just younger and more naive. And the older you get, the more you experience, the more you're kind of just connected to it all. And we've all collectively become more interconnected through the Internet 
through YouTube, through podcasts, through blogs and vlogs and all that kind of stuff. And in the past, that was never for me. I was always, excuse me, always caught up in my own stuff because I had to. I had to keep handling my business and handling my business, which may not have seemed like so much on the outside or seemed like I was wasting potential that others saw in me because they didn't understand the battles that were going on on the inside. Um, that all has played a big part in my mental health and my formation of my identity of my ego and not necessarily for the better. Like I have been down on myself pretty much forever, right? The, the mistakes always seem to stick around the things that the times I've fucked up and as I've gotten older, as I've gotten sicker, gotten physically weaker, all those things have just kind of compounded onto that story of feeling useless and worthless because I can't do the things that I hoped to be able to do. And now I'm, for the first time really, getting back to that point of feeling like I can do more of what I want to do, but I don't have a lot of me to do it. And so I want to prioritize and do the things that I feel are the most meaningful and important to me in this podcast and sharing my story. It is so important to me because I've had not only that near death experience, four years ago, but then I had, uh, let's call it a heart episode. I don't want to call it quite a heart attack, I guess. I don't know. Um, it was definitely more than a panic attack. It was very, very scary. Um, and I've had other kind of, I don't know, a few other times with my heart since then where I've been like, okay, let's, let's make sure that we're not going too hard, taking on too much. Cause, uh, when it just kind of falls off the cliff like that and you're in free fall, it's a scary feeling. Anyways, <laughs> which health issue do you want me to talk about? So many. Oh, so many stories. And that's the problem. I'm not really getting to the stories, am I? I'm just sort of rambling in general. But also, it, I, I hope it, it's, it's definitely presenting a true and accurate portrayal of me and my mind and kind of where it's at right now. So again, I hope that a year from now I'm still doing this. I hope a year from now I'm feeling better. I hope I'm feeling better in part from doing this, that this becomes not just some sort of masturbatory, self-indulgent 
thing. I mean, and even if it is just that, even if nobody ever watches this, even if nobody ever listens to this, at least I know it's out there. At least, you know, I got it out. It's not just sitting inside of me and I don't want to say rotting, but almost like it feels like it's just time to gestate. This egg has grown. It can't, there's nowhere left for it to grow. It's just, I got to get it out and crack it and see what's inside. It's more of a coin operated egg. I'm not, I, I'm not just going to bust open a gigantic egg and get yolk all over. That was a joke about yolk. Very bad one. Okay. Back to mental health. Manic Mondays, right? So through that little 20-minute preamble, hopefully we can get to some points of actual cohesive storytelling and getting on with it. And I don't know how to do that except kind of maybe sort of chronologically start in the beginning or to kind of, I mean, not to go all the way through my entire life, but to, you know, hit the highlights from childhood on. So I'll start that process and hopefully it it doesn't take too long. Here we go. Sorry for that meta moment. Everybody's checking out now, everybody. There's zero people watching this, dude. Relax. See, these are the battles. These are the... This is the voice. This is the... The snappy kind of... Parent voice, I guess. And the child voice is like, I just want to talk about whatever. And it's like, yeah. Okay. You see. And this has been my battle my whole life. This sort of split between personalities, characters. I don't think it's an actual split personality as much as I just think it's sort of that natural left brain, right brain thing that we all experience. It's just, again, neurodivergence is not different. It's just kind of more. It's turning up the volume. It's turning this knob and that knob and the whole kind of thing makes it it's, anyways. So, little Jason was born in 1978 in a fairly small town in northern Indiana to teenage parents who were together for about a year and a half or so. They married and then divorced. And so I pretty much grew up the first 12 years of my life with my mom. And then after that, it's with my dad. Um, so there again, you see that sort of split dynamic, right? <laughs> As children of divorce can relate to pretty well probably right there's you form these different identities in the different homes in the different environments 
and there's different rules and different this and different that. And it's, it's just kind of that dynamic has sort of played out my whole life. I'm kind of always divided trying to be in the middle somehow so I can go either direction and I'm never quite sure which one I am and then somehow they all kind of become me. Um, my kind of earliest memories of that whole dynamic with the divorce and stuff is just not wanting to go with my dad, having meltdowns, crying, screaming, clinging to my mom, right? There's a lot of uh, attachment issues there. She was the safety blanket for me. This was my environment. And then I was going into the unknown, into the uncertainty. And eventually that kind of calmed itself down. I sort of calmed down a bit. I was very hyper-emotional um, as a child. The story my mom loves to tell about me is how, as a child, when the television show Lassie would come on, when the theme song would start playing, I would start crying, and she'd be like, why are you crying? And I'd be like, it's so sad. And she's like, the show? And I'm like, no, the song. Like, it just impacted me that much. And music and sound has always sort of impacted me a lot. Um, it's definitely one of the things that I use to ma maintain, to modulate my emotions, how I'm feeling, right? Playlists have been a big, big part of my life. But also there was just, again, little glimpses into the neurodivergence, um, like listening to the same song 50 times in a row and, and not getting sick of it, right? Things like that. Um, those are kind of the memories that stick out more than most of the trauma I kind of Somewhere in my teenage and 20s, I just kind of, like, not that it didn't happen, but that it's not relevant, right? I'm not that person. And that kind of dynamic, I think, set me up for a lot of my mental health battles because I never, never, con never confronted the trauma, never confronted it from a different perspective, from a different age until my 40s, really. And it wasn't something that I had planned or intended on doing. It just kind of started bubbling up. There was this time after that near-death experience, my health went kind of off the rails more than it had. Like, it... I had a doctor's appointment and my heart rate was down to like 38 and so they ended up sending me across the street or not, not quite across the street but to the hospital to have them do an echo and then they didn't really find anything and they couldn't right but it just I was kind of off afterwards and then like I came on and I came on in this 
very unlikely but very much like me sort of way like I felt like myself but somehow better like I turned back the hands of time or something and that was right around the time when I started thinking okay I'm gonna do stand-up and then as I was working on this who am I gonna be on the stage this whole persona that and just kind of dealing with the feelings of anxiety and the social anxiety realizing that it went all the way back to my childhood right the issues with my dad going with my dad when I was young that kind of like it was going to school was a huge change for me and even back then we only did half day kindergarten and like it was so hard to acclimate to that because I was just used to being home with my mom. I didn't go to preschool. We were dirt poor my whole life growing up uh, living with my mom. It was not ever nothing like that was ever the, the available <laughs> even, you know, it was just my mom stayed home mostly or I went to family while she worked, something like that. So socially, my, my whole world was very, very small. And then as I got to school, I just I never could figure out the, the relationships, right? It was always, I always felt like I was on defense. I always felt like I was trying to fit into whatever was going on to try and follow the rules and play nice and share and all those kind of things and then the other kids would not and I'd be like what's going on like we're supposed to follow the rules and I was very much a little tattletale and that whole thing like very concrete black and white thinking and that was kind of counterbalanced by this intelligence for anything else like socially very very developmentally challenged in that aspect but the rest of it pew, I just caught on I just absorbed it all I was a little sponge and I was way ahead of my peers from the get-go I started reading my mom says around three and a half like I started walking at 10 and a half months or something like that and was just very talkative yet I'd be very quiet and just go and do my own thing I loved puzzles and just play with puzzles for hours um <laughs> I memorized the tv guide and so they would just ask me what was going to be on and I knew <laughs> what shows came after what like it was like a little quiz show um i was beating my family in trivial pursuit at like eight years old on a fairly consistent basis at least that's how i remember it maybe it wasn't quite that much but or quite that young but anyways so in kindergarten like so when they did the standardized testing i tested off the charts basically 90 high 90s and so they're like trying to get me to 
skip ahead to second grade instead of going to first grade. And my mom was like, no. And then during first grade and after first grade, they were like, he needs to go up a grade. And my mom was like, no, which in truth, socially was good for me because I couldn't have handled being around even older kids or around new kids. The first day of first grade, we were assigned to our classes and I went and I sat down in my seat and then we were about to start and then they were like, oh, there's been a mistake. You were actually supposed to be in this class and this person is supposed to be over here, <clears throat> which <clears throat> again may have had something to do with the whole kind of accelerated learning or whatever path that they wanted me to be on but I just broke down in tears and I remember there were other times like where I tried to run away from school like there were a lot of kind of just overwhelming moments where the anxiety just kind of took over and um so, yeah, I didn't ever skip grades, but I I was put into a special learning program for gifted and talented children. So, in the beginning it was me and I think one other one other boy and then there was another girl there, but I don't remember if she was there from the beginning or like anyways, a lot of the, a lot of it just kind of felt like I was being pulled out in front of everybody else and made to feel even more different and even more of a nerd or whatever else, you know. So there was a lot of a lot of resentment with that and also I I liked there were parts of school that I really liked. I liked doing we called them math minutes or mad math minutes or something like that you get it it's a bunch of problems you got 60 seconds to do as many as you can and i i loved it it was like a game it was a competition how fast can i do this how can i i want to get perfect how fast can i do it and get perfect yada 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 there's a very competitive side of me when it came to that sort of stuff and so Part of the way that that manifested was I was always the, ooh, ooh, I know the answer because I knew the answer and I wanted to say it and I wanted to be right and I wanted that feeling of, ah, yes, mm -hmm, I'm smart and I know the answer. But, you know, you've got to, <laughs> you're in a classroom with other, other children, you can't be the one always answering every question. So... I, I had to learn to dial it back in that way. But also, like when it came to taking tests and quizzes or whatever, that same sort of mentality would apply. And I was just trying to get through it as fast as possible. It made it more fun for me, I guess, probably. More of a rush, more of a, ing, more of a dopamine hit. And like I would get done and like, two minutes and it would take other people like the rest of the hour sometimes and just that dynamic playing out at an early age like it made me feel like I in one way proud of myself but in another way like this is making everything socially more difficult for me but also there was this 
it gave me this big window of time where I got to do my own stuff. And so I would draw or doodle or I would read other books. I hated reading when it came to school. My lowest scores were always in reading comprehension because I would just look at the questions and then go back and try to pick through. I hate I, I hated being forced to do things that it felt were contrived or had no point outside of just being able to answer the question. The story didn't matter. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't telling you anything worthwhile. And so there was always that little edge to me as well, that sort of not really oppositional defiant, but not quite to that extreme, but like... I didn't suffer fools gladly. I didn't appreciate bullshit and doing stuff to just be doing stuff. And that caused me a lot of pain in my life in a lot of ways, but it has led me down this road of being, feeling this need to be authentic and yet feeling this need to fit in as well. And so, um, sorry uh, if the video skipped there, I, I got back up on the audio. So anyways, this PC is old and likes to, uh, really give me issues with the video and stuff in the background. So Hopefully at some point this gets popular. I do it right and this becomes a cash cow. Mer. See, there is some comedy in here, folks, as much as I talk about comedy and comedy freaks in that sort of thing. I, I do like to make the jokes, but this is kind of getting the seriousness out so I can... Ew, I just kind of licked the microphone. Episode 1, Nose on Microphone. Episode 2, Licking Microphone. Stick around, folks. What will I do with the microphone in Episode 3? Back to the mental health. Little baby Jason, right? My mama called me Jake, Jakey. So to me, initially this podcast was almost going to be a... This whole sort of endeavor has been a sort of Jason versus Jakey, right? The little child me that got to sit and play with puzzles and read books and explore that's who I've wanted to be my whole life right when the environment lets me that's what I do when I'm most comfortable when I'm when I've had enough rest and uh, everything feels good I, I want to explore I'm more curious and that's kind of what happened after that near-death experience and the health kind of dipped and it was still kind of but I was feeling better for the first time in a while. I had my wife and I had a little break for the first time in years when some family took our kids and they were gone for a week and two weeks for the oldest. And it was just the first time I had not had that level of responsibility in years. And it just kind of... <gasps> that breath <laughs> it was just like but it was also kind of realizing this is coming down the road you know empty nesting is not too far off for us but it's still a few years away 
but as our children age and go and become their own people and do their own things, there's more and more time for me to get back to this path that I was sort of on and to explore other paths that now will be not so unattainable, maybe. So I'm very much trying to focus on and get better mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Whereas before, uh, 40 years of living life without knowing why I'm so depressed other than just blaming it on childhood trauma, which the stuff I've talked about hasn't even really been the trauma as much. Um, there's a lot more to that, but I, I don't want to be too, too oversharey and too talking for too long and also not, I don't know. It's, it's something I want to kind of come at with a bit more intention than just rambling on about it. But for sure, you know, never really knowing your parents together, being a childhood kind of almost sort of maybe genius level almost, but not being ever really given the right environment to flourish in that way and, and resenting it and not wanting it, not wanting extra work. The point isn't, I didn't want to do extra work. The point was to get your work done so you could work, do the stuff I wanted to do. And the stuff I wanted to do wasn't, I, I loved reading stories about people succeeding, about heroes, about biographies of famous people. But on the other hand, I love to just sit there and doodle and just be free, right? The more, the more I reassess who I am and who I've been and kind of these notes from the universe about who I should be, like it was clear that I was much more comfortable with my art, but I never believed in it because my art, my style was, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't, I was never interested in recreating reality to look like more like reality. I'm like, that's what photos are for. I appreciate photography. I love photography. I do I do photography. I am a photographer as a hobby. Um, but my art was much more of a, just an expression of my inner self. It was much more about seeing something, a line or a wrinkle or something, and wanting to create that. And then what can I create from that? Is seeing patterns in the popcorn ceiling or the drapes or the wallpaper or whatever. And so you see that kind of in my, my art. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a lot of, it almost kind of looks like it could be art deco or sort of, uh, some of them kind of have a more indigenous kind of, cause there's a very, 
geometric, symmetrical kind of vibe to all of it, even though they can be very chaotic or whatever. There's that's always kind of the element that is essential to all of that. So symmetry and balance and that sort of thing not only applies to the art, but to my life in general, because it's about trying to match up. For me, it's about trying to match up that fundamental laws, properties of the universe and kind of getting in line with that. It's a very sort of Taoist, Zen sort of way of going about it in terms of how I I think, how I feel about it and, and trying to apply that to myself and to my health and my mental health. So the choices that I'm making for myself are to try and balance out my life. The problem is it's been so imbalanced that it feels like I need to just lift up the other side to balance it out. But I can, there's never anything that I'm going to be able to do enough of at once. That's going to fix it. There's no panacea, no magic pill, no silver bullet. It's just the panacea, the pill, the silver bullet is the commitment to that process, to that balancing. And my whole life, people have been saying, Oh, you need therapy. You need therapy. And I'm just like, there's so much to unravel. I mean, maybe if I had started way back in my twenties, I would have eventually made enough of a progress, but I've had issues with therapy with therapists because the ones that I went to, it wasn't a match. And, you know, it's kind of like you try something a couple times and you're like, ah, it's not for me. It may have very well been the case. It may very well be the case, but it's not something I can afford. It's, I know it's something that a lot of people, the people who need it the most can't afford or it, they become so overwhelmed that they just can't function and then eventually get into the system. And then now it's not an issue of affording it. It's you're getting the care, but what kind of quality of care are you actually getting? Anyways, not on my soapbox here. We're storytelling. So, yeah, it's just playing with that kind of inherent divide that's just kind of in the structure of our brain, right? The right brain, left brain dynamic. And as I've gone further down that rabbit hole over the last four years and really what's going on with me, what's going on in general, right? What's, what is this right brain, left brain thing? What's this all about? Why is one side more of a creative and one more of a logical following the rules and starting to not need to, for those who want to see what I look like without my glasses on, there you go. As I rub my eyes, mm-hmm. At least that wasn't on the close-up. There we go. Sunglasses back on. What? You wear sunglasses to podcast? What a weirdo. Yeah, there's a story behind it. We'll get to it. Um, I was speaking about left brain, right brain, storytelling, being able to use just 
like the way we regularly speak about it. This kind of has been this path I've been on, this sort of decoding, this sort of looking for the Rosetta Stone between the ways that we have in the past sort of talked about our experiences because deep down I believe that we can't help but express our experience, right? That's exactly what the body is doing at all times. It's sort of a summation of all of the biochemical processes happening within us plus the environment around us, etc. So anyways, like that just kind of reinforces this whole philosophical, scientific sort of point of view of determinism or causality or momentum if you want to think of it that way and it it, it becomes it becomes a, a conundrum a paradox that you have to deal with when you go down that direction of there's no me here doing all this stuff it's just happening and then feeling that sort of nihilistic existential dread of that and searching for meaning that's that's what i've been on since uh, i guess my whole life but really since my early-ish mid-20s right i went to college to become a doctor that was the goal and it became obvious and apparent that that probably was the wrong goal from the beginning, but I didn't know what else I wanted to do. Nothing else really spoke to me other than being a teacher, just because I liked kids and don't want to have that clipped out on the internet but I did like I liked being around kids more as I was growing up as I was a kid I liked being around adults more the point was I never really liked being I was never comfortable with my peer group as it were other than one-on-one -on -one or in very very small groups like otherwise it's just too overwhelming anyways so I kind of was like, oh, am I going to be a doctor? I'm going to be a teacher and neither one. And then I got burnout, depressed, dropped out a couple of times. Once my freshman year, once, which should have been my senior year, but we became my junior year, I guess. And then I ended up getting engaged and getting married and... How much of that was me and how much of that was the Paxil kind of making me a bit manic-y or, or unlocking something that kind of made me a bit more hypomanic for that period of time, I, I don't know. Like, I kind of was like, it's all going to work, and that's kind of how it goes with me and my... You know, my hypomania which is really just a reflection of my dopamine and serotonin levels right when i got a lot of it it feels like anything is possible and i can do it all and it's all gonna work out and 
so I start going and doing the stuff and then I start using up the stuff and I'm not replacing it because it took six months to replenish and get back to that level and then I go and shoot my wad right away and again it's that pattern it's that sort of slow build up to I finally feel like me again and I start doing and then I can't keep up and the frustration of not keeping up or why isn't this why is this going away again or whatever and then the burnout and then the depression the deep rest in right depressed is deep rest you need rest that's that's a big takeaway from depression right it's a cute little sort of way to think about it but it's also very true your body needs time to heal there's a reason that you feel so fatigued and all that stuff but also chronically over time it just kind of becomes the pattern or it becomes the pattern more and more and you get kind of stuck in that and it reinforces the very same system that's now recreating it and these feedback loops and getting stuck has been uh, it's been my life and so I've been working and working on understanding it better and trying to find ways to break the pattern. That was a big thing in my 20s and in my mental health journey and really kind of shaped who I, I was trying to become and who I'm trying to become again was because I had all these mental health issues, because I had all this childhood trauma, because I know I needed all this therapy, I was trying to therapy myself, self-help. I read self-help books galore, right? The problem is so many of them back in the days were more... I don't know. Fluffy? They were either fluffy or they were just kind of geared towards motivation, right? I read a lot of motivational books. Motivation to go out there and sell, go out there and compete, go out there and win. Because it spoke very much to that competitive side of me. I was not, in spite of my dystonia and hypermobility I was pretty athletic for my <laughs> my little school my little area right I was one of the better athletes in my grade throughout elementary junior high high school and I loved to compete but like <clears throat> the more and more competitive it got the more and more I pushed myself and the more and more I was beating the shit out of my body. And eventually I stopped playing football because I was tired of the injuries. I stopped playing basketball after my freshman year because of a lot of issues, but a lot of it had to do with physical issues of things with my neck. And uh, anyways, so... That impacted my mental health going forward, too, because after high school, without a reason to compete, 
the only reason to work out seemed like vanity and, and trying to keep my muscles looking good so I could get a girl so I wouldn't feel so alone and I would have somebody to focus my intentions on my attention on and my intention was to basically lose myself in them to be in love so I was such a romantic right it turns out it's just kind of a different way to obsess about something else and to make somebody else the focus of, of my attention and give my life order and structure, my brain order and structure. And <clears throat> learning learning how you you do all these things in your life, it, it it takes time. It takes that, but it also takes hearing dum-dums like me who've been a fuck up their whole lives to say yeah I was a fuck up and yeah I was a part of it but also there's much more going on in any situation and so calling myself a dum-dum and feeling like a fuck up and that sort of thing has probably been worse for me than right I couldn't I couldn't let go of the failures I didn't I didn't want to get divorced. I, I was a child of divorce. My whole thing was, I'm not going to get divorced. And I, I, after that happened, it just and Like I just recreated this whole dynamic for my own child. And like all these things just kind of accumulate and just never got solved or dealt with I just had to kind of keep moving on because life keeps moving on and I just kind of kept shoving it down and just trying to get through and eventually it kind of reached that point where I was just kind of going through the motions but I wasn't so stressed out that I could go through the motions but I didn't have anything left to do anything extra and so anything extra felt like an imposition it felt like you don't understand what I'm already doing just to keep this afloat but the other side of me is like you need to do more you you're the provider you're the the man of the house type thing but also there was the I just didn't feel good I didn't I didn't understand how to, and I think this is probably the case for a lot of people with chronic mental health, chronic physical health, chronic pain. Like you never know which way to go with it. Do I push? Do I not push? Like how much do I give? Because you never know if you're going to get it back or how long it's going to take to get it back. And so you can't, that whole prediction side of your brain, that whole left side of your brain is just, it's kerfuffled, it's messed up. And there's no way to give yourself a predictable storyline there. And that's what I've been 
trying so hard to get. It's just some sense of balance in my life. And so I've tried different, like I said, I tried Paxil first in college when I got so depressed that I had to drop out of classes the second time, the junior year time, the I can't do physics and I got to worry about all this other shit related with money and going to Germany in order to get these credits for this other thing because that was how the school did it and otherwise I was going to have to go to school for an entire extra year basically and all my plans are getting fucked up and I didn't even really want to do the plans and yada 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 and this sort of dynamic that sort of round and round has been my life more or less right it's been this I know kind of what I want and the direction that I want to go, but I don't have enough frame of reference to it to feel like I'm not charging into everything blindly or there just being too much uncertainty because there was always so much uncertainty within myself. And getting to the point where I've explored this through so many different angles and so many different ways the thing that's given me the most peace is to understand that that basic story that basic pattern exists within my dna right i've tried it philosophically religiously uh, scientifically via what was standard medical practice it was until i could get to the point where i could get my own freaking dna and see what it is and compare it to other things and become my own geneticist even though it's a very small minute version of it and i've only examined a little bit of what could potentially be going wrong what i see there is exactly what i've been describing this lack of neurotransmitters or this competition between neurotransmitters, more of serotonin or more dopamine, well, that whole thing plays out into which one is kind of more dominant, your right or your left brain, and how that's playing out. And that has a lot to do with cortisol and stress and all these other, like it's super complicated and I don't pretend to understand and know it all. But I do understand, and I guess I am pretending, but it it's a better story to me that trying to understand it that way makes more sense than trying to go to another human being whose priority is not me, is not understanding what's actually going on with me. It's how quickly can I get this person out of the way so that the next person can come, so that the next person can come, so that I can go home and enjoy the fruits of this broken system. I didn't want to get into that system. It's broken. It's a... So much doctors are just tickets to the pharmacy. <laughs> it's like I got to pay to get the ticket so I can go so I can pay to get the thing. It's a broken system just 
in that way, just from sort of an engineering first principles sort of way. But everybody's getting their cut except for you. You're getting the short end of the stick the entire way. Unless that medicine works for you, and then great. But that has not been the case for me. I tried Paxil. I tried... Uh, Lexapro. There we go. I couldn't think of the name. Uh, there's doctors. It's just your anxiety. It's your anxiety. You need Lexapro. You need Lexapro. I took the Lexapro. No change. No help. No nothing. Like, you got to come at this with something a lot stronger if you're going to knock this brain down when it's on. When it's when it's off, then I can't get it back up. And that's a problem too, right? And that's been that, again, in the stories in the DNA. It, there's certain things within how the neurotransmitters are made that I lack or that causes there to not be enough of an enzyme so it doesn't get made well enough. So the only way to get enough is to rest enough or it to be summer helps a lot because vitamin D charges that whole thing and the whole neurotransmitter synthesis, specifically dopamine and that pathway. Anyways, but then I have on the back end, I have, I don't break down some of the neurotransmitters well enough because that enzyme is deficient. So I don't break down the catecholamines, the dopamine, the norepinephrine, the epinephrine well enough. So as it builds up, not only is it accumulating, it's not getting broken down quickly enough. So it's not getting reabsorbed in the system. It's sitting there and toxic byproducts are building up. And it's destroying the brain tissue around it, most likely. And so the whole pathways are getting fried out. And that's been the case. My What I thought was fibromyalgia has seemed to turn much more into a general dystonia where all of my muscles are constricting and tight. Um, but it's not constant. It fluctuates throughout the day, throughout the seasons. And so it's been something that's been and, and gotten progressively worse over my life so that I was very flexible as a child, but then the flexibility went away. So the hypermobility kind of became less of the issue for me physically than the dystonia, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to call it for the longest time. It became kind of like it is with trying medication or trying supplements or anything else. It's trial and error. It's eliminating other possibilities. And in terms of mental health, it, it trying different medications definitely gave me more insight into what was and what was not going on. Um, after the Lexapro, I didn't really take anything for my mental health outside of different supplements and stuff kind of for general brain health or whatever. 
um, until my mid thirties. Then I started taking Lamictal because this whole being up and down. And as I was trying to describe to the nurse practitioner who prescribed me these, uh, like, it's not even like I have periods where I'm up and periods where I'm down. I'm like throughout the entire day, it's just constantly fluctuating. I'll be exhausted. And the next thing I know, I've got tons of energy and it's just that general unpredictability to it leads to an even more unpredictable life and outcomes, which further stresses out everything and just trying to get a baseline, just trying not to get the high so freaking high and the low so freaking low and some consistency to it day by day. And when I took the lamictal, it took the highs away for sure, but it didn't take away the lows. They weren't quite as low, but the fact that I never had the highs became just the general low. And it became more and more apparent to me that there was a serious, like, kind of dopamine issue there. It was like anhedonia. I don't, nothing is giving me pleasure. Nothing excites me. Everything is just, uh. And I subsisted and lived that way for years. And finally <clears throat> had to <clears throat> get off the lamictal because I had tried Abilify to get the dopamine level up and instantly like almost instantly it felt like I was having a heart attack my blood pressure would shoot up and it felt like it felt like I was going to have a heart attack so I was like we can't take this <laughs> but looking back on it now and realizing what it did it also relates very much to how I felt when I was actually having that heart episode for potential legal reasons. Like I don't want to go off spouting that I had a heart attack when I'm not going to sue the hospital, but damn it. If I don't want to, it sucks to go in and be like, what's going on with me? And they're like, eh, just go home after a few hours. Like clearly I wasn't having the heart attack then whether, but the problem was it was, I didn't go to the ER for like eight hours. Stupid. Don't do that, folks. If you're having issues with your heart, call 911 or whatever it is in your area. I thought I, I, I thought I could, I thought I could get, get over it on my own. Dumb. Anyways, it's what you do when you're poor and you don't want to have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in hospital bills. Anyways. The heart issues, the dopamine, the that issue turns out to have very much connected to that same sort of set of DNA sort of issues I have. And I'll talk at length about them on other episodes. But one of the things that I have trouble doing is I have trouble breaking down homocysteine which homocysteine very bad for your blood vessels bad for your heart and so it can accumulate and in times of stress it's the the match that lights the gunpowder 
And if you got a lot of gunpowder, it's gonna kablooey, right? So that's kind of what was going on. I was very stressed at that time of the heart attack, but there's been other times where I don't feel stressed like the uh, like it's so bad, but then something will trigger me. And again, it's kind of that oppositional defiant thing at some, at some point, like I can put up with a ton of bullshit for a long time, but when it snaps, it snaps and it's very much a frustration and anger kind of thing. And then it boils over and it's not like I scream and act like a maniac so much as it just, it feels so terrible inside of me. I never want to feel that feeling. I hate confrontation. I'm trying to (laughs) avoid it as much as possible. And part of that is the PTSD of of childhood trauma and, and being in that kind of environment where arguments and physical, mental, verbal abuse is happening it it's hard not (laughs) for that not to be the response going forward the rest of your life right but fortunately again we are in times where the tide is shifting towards that and that's part of part of this the reason that i'm doing this is because I kind of woke up in 2019 from this feeling of it's never going to get better. Nobody's, I'm always going to be too poor. It's never going to be whatever. It's it's just always going to be this until I die. And then I came close to dying and I was like, fuck it. I, I can't keep living like this. And so I've been on this journey. And so hopefully something I say will help somebody or just getting this out becomes the process that eventually leads to me saying something that helps somebody, right? Or just me taking the time. I know what it's like to be stuck in a job where I'm working by myself or alone because that's how I prefer to work. And so in order to kind of keep my sanity and to keep myself from just ruminating on my own life and thoughts and feelings and pain and etc listening to podcasts listening to music listening to talk radio that's what i listened to for years before i listened to podcasts a lot of npr's a lot of sports talk radio just kind of whatever could fill up the space and i didn't have to be super into it or whatever. It's just kind of a vibe of somebody's somebody's there with you. And I'm totally comfortable being that. Like, I, I hope it's not any sort of codependency addiction type thing where I feel like so compelled to do this. But also, the truth is I felt like shit for the last two days. I felt terrible after I recorded the last episode because it's it was this build up for so long and I finally let it out and there was just kind of a, plus there's already 
spine issues and all that kind of stuff. And I'm using so much energy and I'm talking for way too long yet again. But hopefully you're kind of getting a sense of who I am and the kind of things that will continue to be talked about over and over and over. But this is this is my attempt. This is my documentation of trying to get better, of trying to get more balance, of trying to get more understanding. Part of that is like the actual learning of facts or of things, treatments available or what have you. But part of it is just getting different perspectives, hearing from you, the listener, like, I can't, I look forward to that kind of stuff. I don't know that I look forward to, if it works out so well, eventually that I'd be like, oh, it's too much. But that seems like a very nice problem to have at this point to have, to have gotten over so much to even get to here. It's it's been so so much and it, it's stuff that i want to talk about i again i who knows if it, this is interesting to anybody or whatever but fuck it everybody else is doing something like this it seems like so i might as well do my thing and try to make it as much as i can about the greater good about us collectively trying to heal and get over these stigmas with mental health get over the this whole power dynamic of they've got the information so they know better they're the experts right without throwing that away and going it doesn't matter what anybody else says i can figure it out on my own it's collectively all of us it's it's learning from each other, but the only way we can do that is if we share. And the only way we can share is if we can allow ourselves the time to speak and to be heard. And I know I'm talking on and on and on, but also I've listened a lot more in my life than what I've talked. And so this is kind of, again, balancing that imbalance the more I kind of get this off my chest and the more that I can do this and can gauge whether or not this is actually reaching anybody and kind of keep tweaking it to reach that balance of not not feeling compelled to just go out there and do a, hey guys, blah, 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 kind of. You need you need to be changing it every 2.5 seconds, different cuts, different backgrounds, different visuals and all that kind of stuff like I I don't I don't like that kind of stuff, so I'm not going to make my stuff that sort of way, I guess. And that was a a big big revelation for me is, is to just make this my own thing and it will draw who it draws. It will speak to who it speaks to. And we will collectively grow this together. And so 
in the spirit of togetherness and in the spirit of growing this, I need to shut up and let you go, let myself go. Um, and, and we'll reconvene the next time on a wacky Wednesday where we can kind of explore more kind of some of the issues I was talking about today with philosophy and science and kind of what's really going on here. What's this underlying fabric? What are these patterns that are going on? And, and what does that mean for who I am, who you are, who we are? Are we, are we just vibrating atoms? Are we, is there more to the story here? Kind of what implication does that have for you as an individual and how you view yourself and how you view other people and society? And I don't know, there's so much to unpack there. I'm not here to, to push you into any one way. I'm I'm the guy that goes, oh, they're all kind of cool and they all have some good points. But that took a lot of emotional, existential rebuilding and repurposing uh, of my past and my upbringing. And so you'll get to know more of my story probably in that way. It's kind of hard to condense it all into even an hour and 21 minutes at this point. Jeez, oh, Pete's. <sighs> yeah, this will be so much better when I have other people to play off of for sure. But, um, yeah, thanks for listening. If anybody actually listened or whatever. Um, just, yeah, I, it, it, <laughs> It, it is good for for my mental health. So if this is good for your mental health, if you are enjoying this, you know, here's my call to action after an hour and 22 minutes. Like, subscribe, comment. I, I, I would love to hear from you if something actually spoke to you, whether you like the art, whether you don't like the art, whether I'm sniffing too much and breathing too hard, um, whatever. I'm I'm definitely I'm working. I'm conscious of these things, believe me. I'm overly conscious of these things. This is a concerted effort to make it a little bit sloppy, to make it a little bit more punk rock, a little bit more garage band. That was kind of more of the aesthetic to, that I was going for, which again, kind of with these glasses, a kind of a Kurt Cobain-y counterculture kind of aesthetic and vibe. <laughs> even though I'm not tattooed or pierced or any of those kind of things, that's kind of always been my, the feeling that that's my tribe. But I also want, I don't know, that sort of sense and security that the whole normie, neurotypical sort of, that balance, right? And fortunately, a lot of people have been able to make sort of those kind of lives happen. And so 
they've been sort of role models to me. And so this is my attempt to put that stuff into play and start creating, start playing and getting these sort of pleasantries and it's not really small talk, but you know, it's introductions and kind of plans. I, I, I don't have an issue. I, and some of people listening may about talking about what my intentions are, because this is very intentional. This is very much me trying to do my own thing and do it in my own way and somehow still make it work. So that's very much a part of, I need the feedback from you of what you like, what you don't like, um, things that you would like me to focus on a bit more or to just focus a bit more. Um, and we can kind of work that out together, but also just know just because you have a favorite performer or a favorite band, they're not going to keep making music the way you want them to. And that's part of the journey. And that learning that for me <laughs> was a big, kind of a big stepping stone and appreciating artists and art and the way that people change and grow. And like I said, that's kind of my hope that we, some of us can form a little tribe, a little community here and grow together and do our part to bring more balance to ourselves, to our, our little corners of the world, families, friends, whatever. And that's how the whole thing grows. And you're not going to do much more than be able to do that because that's way more than enough. And so it's, it's trying to be intentional and trying to maintain this balance so that it can grow and not, not be icky, I guess, along the way. That it grows organically, that it's not artificial. I'm not right, I'm not selling anything. But at some point, if it becomes to that level, then yeah, I will do ads and I'll make sure that I choose products to the best of my ability that represent me and my values. And this is very much about building brand and community. Um I haven't mentioned him yet, but super super big fan of Gary V and what he's doing and the way he's done it I was kind of working on wanted to do a more kind of non-traditional version of what was going on in psychology and kind of that life coaching kind of pathway appealed to me Back in 2003, not that Gary Vee is in any way doing that, but just the way that he's used the internet. And I just, I never could figure out, like I was trying to start a blog or a thing or whatever, but I always felt more comfortable in message boards behind anonymity, behind a 
character name behind a avatar or whatever, right? And then social media became this whole thing. And I'm like, everybody's out and about and showing themselves. And I was like, it was a whole different internet. And it just wasn't for me. But Gary V kind of showed me that the internet can, you can use it for what you want to use it for. And also, there was another experience in there that kind of, like, let me know that this is a, a tool and, and not we can use it for for good i guess and so i'm trying to do that i'm trying to not make this into a self-promotion or i got all the answers because every teacher every guru i've had has left me feeling short unsatisfied and I would do the same for anybody else. I'm not trying to do that, but yet I'm trying to explore these concepts and ideas and make them applicable to my own life, to the things that I want to do, to art, to comedy, to podcasting, to sharing, to being vulnerable and sincere and giving that part of life it's due <laughs> right everybody's trying to either gloss over it because they got shit to do or they're trying to gloss over it because they just don't want to deal with the pain and i didn't have a choice the pain just kept bubbling up and i couldn't do the stuff to gloss over it anymore it became undeniable and that's what i'm trying to do is embrace the undeniability to embrace reality for what it is and make the best of it the best that I can knowing that there's not really even a me in there but somehow in the attempts to balance it it somehow balances out of its own accord anyways so hour and 30 minutes we've reached our limit friends thanks for listening we'll be back next time Wacky Wednesday. Who knows what the fuck I'm going to talk about, but it's clear I'm going to keep talking. So until next time, all the best. Bye-bye.